theyeshiva.net. Vayoymer Hashem. This mimer of the Balatanya in Torah Er Parshas Noyach deals with the story of the Der Haflaga, the one that built the tower of Bovel in the end of Parshas Noyach, at the conclusion of the Parsha, which as all the Mepharshim already point out is a very... Uh, cryptic story, it's not even clear what they did, what they wanted, what Hashem was upset about. The Torah wrote it, obviously intentionally, in a very uh, subtle and symbolic and cryptic fashion. It's very hard to figure out. So here's a mimer about about this. It's a very, uh, it's somewhat of an intense and profound uh, discourse, which deals with uh, some profound sugyus and Torah sanister, as we will see. And Beis Hashem will try to decipher at least part of it. It says, The people who speak one language gather together and they say, you know, let's create a city, let's create a tower. Let's make a name for ourselves. And uh, they begin building, uh, they begin building the city and this tower. And Hashem says, it's one nation, they have one language. Now whatever they plan to do, they'll actually be able to do. So therefore what we should do is, we should mix up their language. And it says he comes down and he scatters them and he confuses them with their languages and the project, the project fails. Now what was wrong with the project? People come together to build a city, to build a tower. In fact, today we would consider it to be uh, admirable. Uh, could you... Communities always go, they decide they're going to open a new community, uh, they're going to build their shuls and their mikvahs and their... Urban planning. Yeah, Gewaldic. <coughs> brings Parnassa to real estate developers, and, uh, the communities get to run away from Brooklyn, I mean, a lot of good things. But uh, nonetheless, this was some catastrophic plan. What was it? The Toyota does not say clearly, so even Rashi already struggles what exactly the problem was. Rashi himself brings a lot of different pirushim. So he quotes, he, he, he discusses one issue. Sounds like almost Hashem is like afraid. He's like, oh, oh my God. Whatever they plan, they're going to be able to do. So let me figure out a way of destroying this plan. And the only thing he can figure out is by confusing their communication skills. If he doesn't want it, he doesn't want it. What's the issue here? If he doesn't want it, it won't happen. What exactly were they looking for? They wanted to make a tower and the top, the head should be in heaven. The whole story from beginning to end is very perplexing. What they wanted, what Hashem's response was. In the Sefer Lekutei Torah, not to confuse with the other Lekutei Torah. <laughs> The original Akutatayda of Reb Chaim Vital. Reb Chaim Vital was the primary student of the Arizal. The Arizal, as you know, is considered by many the greatest mystic, the greatest Kabbalist in Jewish history. Passed away in the year Shin Lamed Beis, 1572 in Tzvas. If you go to Tzvas and you go to the old cemetery, you'll see the Arizal's mikvah. And just a few short uh, minutes of walk, a few, a few minutes away, you have the Arizal's caver together with the Beis Yosef, together with the Mechaber, together with Reb Moshe Cordovero, together with the Alshech, together with Reb Shleim al These were the great uh, masters of Tzvas living at the time and others. And uh, 
Ariza lived in Svas for only two years, and he taught all of his Torah in two years. And his primary student was Abchaim Vital, who transcribed most of the teachings. <coughs> it's interesting how many uh, hundreds of books were written based on the two years of the Arizal's teachings. One of the Svarim is called Lakuta Torah, which is on the Parshis. Basically, goes on the Parshis. So, Lakuta Torah, Abchaim Vitalzal, Kasav Binyan Dera This is what he says, which makes it a little more cryptic. They had a kavana, they wanted to have abundance. By force, by using, by manipulating God's names. Even if their behavior was not morally good. So the Reb Chaim Vital says, Let's make for us a name. He says, shame is a shame of Hashem. Apparently, according to the Arizal, they had a very, very uh, deep mystical knowledge. Very deep mystical knowledge. Tremendous knowledge of the mysteries of the universe. And they knew how to use Hashem's names as tools of energy to be able to (coughs) access what they want to access in nature, from nature without having to live up to any type of moral behavior. That's how the Arizal understood the story. It's interesting, the Ramban already, on the words of Anasalonu Shem, I believe says that there's a secret here that he's not going to talk about. The Ramban, who was one of the early Mekobolim, before the Arizal, and he has a Pirush so the Pirush is mostly Pshat, but he says in the Hagdamet, his Pirush that he's going to put in also, Dvarim Ne'imim sweet things for people who know secrets. So once in a while, the Ramban alludes to different things, sometimes more elaborate, sometimes less. So he says on this, Venasalonu Shem, that it was a b'chin of Mekatsitz ben which the Gemara says about Acher when he went into the orchard with Rabbi Akiva and Ben Zayma and Ben Azi, the four people who went into the Kabbalistic orchard. <coughs> one died, one went insane, and Elisha ben Avoy became a heretic. So the Gemara says in Chagiga, Tasvav Kitzitz ben he, he plucked out uh, flowers from the garden which he wasn't supposed to. You know, he mixed into places that he wasn't supposed to mix in. So the Ramban associates that with this. He says, Ainsham. Look over there where he discusses this. But what does this, what, what does this mean? So the Balatanya now goes into a very long explanation about this, which he's going to return to at the end of the Maimer. What did the Reha wanted? Let's explain this, what the Reb Vital says. For this we have to talk a little bit about Hashem's names. In Halacha we know there are seven names of Hashem that you're not allowed to erase. It's a love to erase. Seven names of Hashem. What are the seven names? The names that are explicitly quoted in Torah. You have Yudke Vavke, number one. You have Adna, Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, Hashem, right? What we say, Adna, usually in Brachas, Baruch, Hashem. You have, uh, you have, so you have a uh, Yudke Vavke, you have Adna, you have Kale, Kale, Aleph, Lamet, you have Eli Kim, which we say a lot, you have Shindalid Yud, you have Tzvokos, and you have Shem Ehya, Aleph, Hey, Yud, Hey, which Hashem identifies to Moshe as his name. Hey, Eke, Asher, Eke, and Parsha Shmos. So again, you have Havaya, Yudke Vavke, Adna, Kale, Eli Kim, <coughs> Shakai, Shindalad Yud, Svakais, and Shem <coughs> Then you have Kinuyim. Kinuyim is what we would call nicknames. You know, nicknames. A person has a nickname. Uh, 
Yosef becomes Yossi, whatever, Mordechai becomes Motul, etc. So Hashem, you'll have Chanun, uh, Rachum, different expressions, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem. These are names that are not explicit in Torah as Hashem's names. But the Shiva Shemus Einam Nemechakim. It's a biblical prohibition to erase them. If a Soifer writes them, right, he has to hide the Uriah, he can't erase it. Seven names that are not erased, so you're not allowed to erase. So in Kisve HaRizal, the writings of the Arizal, which means the entire body of literature of the Arizal is called Kisve HaRizal, and includes many books. Pardus is from the Rebbe of the Arizal. It's a sefer called Pardus Remainim, which is the Orchard of Pomegranates. It was written by Reb Moshe Cordovero, Ramak. He was the teacher of the Arizal, who passed away two years earlier in Svas, 1570. The Arizal passed away 1572. The Ramak was also a great, great Kabbalist, different than the Arizal. And the Ramak, the Moshe Cordovero, wrote a lot of Svarim. He has a very famous Musa Sefer that's learned a lot, that it's called Toimer, Toimer Dvoira, right? The palm tree of Dvoira. Toimer Dvoira. It's a Musa, it's a more of a Musa Sefer. He explains the Yedgimel Midasar Achemem, Alpi Musa, ethics, what it means, Kale Rachem, Khan, in a person's life. One of his uh, his magnum opus is called the Pardus. It's really called Pardus Remoinim. But in Lakota Torah and Torah of Altair, we'll always refer to it as the Pardus, the Orchard, Pardus Remoinim. So the Arizal and the Pardus discuss the seven names. They say as follows Shem Kael is Chesed. The seven names are associated with the seven Midas. Chesed, Gvur, Teferis, Netzach, Hoyd, Yisoyed, Malchus are associated with the names. Shem Kael is Chesed. Shem Alekim is Gvur. Shem Havaya is Tiferes. Then you have the other four. You have Netzach and Hoyd, Yisoyed, and Malchus. Upirish. What does this mean? What does this mean when the Arizal or the Ramak, Rabbi Moshe Cordovero, the Pardis say, the name of Kael is Chesed, the name of Elikim is Gvura, the name of Yudke Vovke is Tiferes. Upirish. Dahainu Bahakelim de Chagas. In the vessels of Chesed Gvura Tiferes. Ki Oir Hu Bekula Mishem Havaya, they all say. When you talk about the light, they're all Shem Havaya. Hashem's name is Yudke Vovke. Only in the vessels is there a difference. That when you're dealing with chesed, that's kale. And you're dealing with gvura, that's elikim. The chiddush of tiferes is that even the kli is shem avaya. You don't have to wait a long time here for the action. <laughs> One of the Yisoidists of Kabbalah and Hasidus is that everything in the world is a marriage of two entities, Ur and Kli. Ur means light, Keli means vessel, container. Ur is the energy of something, and Keli is that which contains it. To give a very simple, even if it's an inaccurate example... If somebody has a dream to write a book or to make a project or to build an organization or to build a movement or build a company, whatever it is, the ur would be the passion, the energy, the dream, the creativity of it. And the keli is to actually facilitate it, to actually get it done, to implement it. The keli always frustrates the ur. It limits the ur. It challenges it. 
You can have the greatest dream of the world, right? You come to a person, and what are the first thing they tell you, right? Every husband comes home and he explains to his wife how he's going to make, by the end of the year, $40 million. And then she tries to put in a little, insert a little dosage of reality, which is always good for Shalom bias. And to tell you, you know, you're dreaming, but you're not realistic. Not realistic means you have oidus and you don't have kalim. You don't have a vessel, you don't have a plan, you don't have a way that it's going to be implemented, it's going to be channeled. You need, this overhead costs, you need a place, you need people, you need investors, you need money. Caleb always frustrated her. I can have a dream of a book, but now I have to sit down and write it. Anyone who writes knows that to take a concept and to translate it into words is terribly, terribly difficult and challenging and sometimes very painful. In your mind, it's, 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 it's glorious. To write it up, now you have to limit yourself. You have to define the essence of your message. When you look at uh, music, if you're familiar with music, the musical notes are the caleb. The music is the ur. A great musician will open up a, you know, a piano book and, and start humming a tune just from the, from the musical notes if you know how to see the ur in the caleb. So everything is always the energy is the light. The light, by definition, like in science, scatters everywhere, goes everywhere. And the keli is the vessel to channel it, to limit it, to say, okay, it has to stick, it has to be here. It limits it, it defines it, always defines it. In everything in the world, you can't have success in anything if you can't find the marriage between Eir and keli. The reason is because by Hashem it begins that way. When we speak about the ten characteristics that Hashem identified within His infinite presence and chose them to become His own persona and to become the source, the building blocks of the universe, which are known as the ten koiches or the ten spheres, chachma, bina, das, chesed, gvura, teferes, netzach, each of them is comprised of two dimensions, the oir of it and the keli of it. Take chesed, love. What's the oir of love and what's the keli of love? The oir of love is the feeling of affection, the passion of love. The keli of love would be how it's actually being communicated, how it's being channeled, how it's being lived, how it's being transmitted. Some people are unbelievable with oir. They're full of passion and emotion. But then you ask them to do something for you, oh, that's already a challenge. That's already a problem. Some people are on the contrary. They're very good in kalim. You know, they're very... Generally, uh, uh, artists, uh, people who like the infinite, they don't like inhibitions, they don't like time inhibitions, they don't like space inhibitions, they're not structured people, but they're usually interesting people, right? Because structure is never interesting. By definition, structure is, 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 is dull's interest. Structure always makes things, you can't get into anything because uh, it's 7.30, you know, always the conflict between types of per- personality types. There are people who are never on time, and there are people who, they worship time, you know. Time is their God. If, if they're late five minutes, they want to commit suicide. Uh, to be late is, is a disaster. It's a national catastrophe. Uh, they start questioning their entire life if, if, if they're late. And other people, it's like, who even notices the clock? Right? Who even notices the Now, when you're married to two, when two such types of people get married, it's always exciting when you have to go to a bar mitzvah at 5 o'clock, especially if you have to make a plane. Some people come to the airport four hours or four days before, uh, before the plane, and some people, 
you know, a half an hour before the, the plane is leaving, they're running out of breath, out of breath, and they regret it. But they can't help themselves. They just can't help themselves. Uh, my wife told me she had a friend. Uh, uh, she once stayed in a, fa- a friend's family. So she taught me they do what's called practice packing. I never heard of the idea. I pack right before I leave, a few minutes before. Practice packing means a week before you fly, you practice packing. You pack everything in the suitcase as though you're leaving, even though it's a week or two weeks, and you see what fits, what doesn't fit, and then you reevaluate how to do it. And then two days before, you do real packing. Okay? And some people are schlepping you know, the shirt in the taxi, and they're going to put it in the suitcase uh, before security. Okay, so... Whenever you start worshipping a certain model, whenever you start... I'm just giving one example, but of course, you know, whatever. You understand this is not accurate examples, but the idea you get, there are people that are uh, very energy people. A lot of creativity, a lot of fertile imagination, dreamers, uh, a lot of power, a lot of passion, a lot of internal light. Not good with structure. Administrators are good with structure. <coughs> Businesses must have structure, but they also have to have dreams. That people who are oidus without kalim, they don't get anything done. People kalim without oidus, there's nothing to do. It's just it's dry. The marriage of oid and kalim is where success happens, but it's a frustrated marriage because oidus and kalim gravitate in opposite directions. Oidus seek infinity, and kalim always ask what the customer needs. Um, uh, I grew up in the home of a journalist, so I know a lot about the newspaper business. Newspaper business used to be a very glorious uh, industry before the internet, uh, before Bosan Cheiruv, Bilbulus with the World Wide Web. Uh, Jew, the access of Jews to reality came through newspapers. This is, was. I was sitting shiva for my father, so Rabbi Tendler, Rabbi Dr. Moshe Dovet Tendler, came to visit. So he was Rabbi Moshe Feinstein's son-in-law. So he told me that uh, Rabbi Moshe used to read my father's newspaper, the Algemeiner Journal, and he would look at the ads. He would read all there were a lot of ads. He would always read the ads. This dinner, that dinner. So he says, Dr. Dr. Tendler said, I once asked my shver, your hotnish was satan. Like uh, you don't. Uh, this is what you. This is what you're reading. So my friend told me, "Was willst du for me? What do you want? This is my window to the welt. This is my, <laughs> this is my window to the world. This is my window to the welt. This is my window to what's happening in the world." So, in in in, uh, I would watch. Some writers are brilliant artists. A good writer is a brilliant artist. They know how to, uh, exp- you know, prose, poetry, literary giants. And Yiddish was blessed with a few of those. Not today's Yiddish press, but uh, older Yiddish press was blessed with a few, some literary uh, giants in Yiddish. It's already a lost art. But, uh, you know, Yiddish language is rich, the Yiddishisten. So I knew some great Yiddishisten, still the older ones. But uh, they, and they would send essays. The problem is, uh, uh, from an editor's point of view, an uh, article has to be a thousand words. If it's already more than a thousand words, it's problems. But this guy's an artist, and he wrote it in 7,000 words. So now the editor has the lovely job of taking 7,000 words and cutting it into a th- making it 1,000 words. In the morning, when the paper comes out, the, the writer opens up his article, and it looks like he's going to die on the spot. 
as they say in Yiddish, an expression as Schreiber starben ist von Herzfällerin, they starben von Druckfällerin. The writers don't write, don't die from heart attacks, from, from mistakes in the heart, they mistakes in print, mistakes in their articles, right? Because he's an artist, he has to express himself. The editor, what is he thinking about? The readership, their patience, the ADD <laughs> level, uh, uh, I have to fill up the page, this guy paid for an ad. It's different cheshboinus come in. You understand? So it's always the conflict between the creativity and the channeling it in a structured fashion based on the needs of the moment. That's Eir and Keli. Lahavdil, in its original source, in each Midah of Hashem, there's the Eir and there's the Keli. There's the Eir of Chesed, there's the Keli of Chesed. There's the Eir of Gvur, there's the Keli of Gvur. There's the Eir of Teferz, there's the Keli of Teferz. So the Arizal and the Pardes say, when you have seven names, and we say the seven names are associated with Chesed, Gvur, Teferis, Netzach, Yisoyed, Malchus, so it doesn't mean that Chesed is one name, and Gvur is another name. It's all the same Hashem. If it's all the same Hashem, the light is always the same. It's Shem Yud Kei So where is the difference? The difference is the Keli. The energy is Yud Kei the Keli. Sometimes Yudke Vavke is being channeled through Chesed. That's when we call Hashem Kel. Sometimes it's being channeled through a medium of Gvura. We'll call him Alekim. Sometimes it's channeled through Teferis. Then we'll call the Keli also Yudke Vavke. By Teferis, the Oyer and the Keli will make peace. The Oyer and the Keli will both have the same name. Sometimes it's channeled through a different Keli. So the name is a different name. In other words, the energy is always uniform. It's always identical. It's always Hashem. What's Hashem's name? Shem Ha'etzem, Shem HaMefoyrish. As the famous Kesef Mishnah calls it, Shem Ha'etzem, Shem HaMefoyrish, Shem HaMeyuchad. That is Yudkei Vavke. That's Hashem's name. It's called Shem HaMefoyrish. Yudkei Vavke. That's Him. That's His name. So what are all these other names? The Keli, the medium, the channel, the instrument changes, but the energy is Him. That's what... Reb Moshe Kordavera, the Ramak, and the Pardis, and the Arizal explains in different, situ- in different cases. So you have the seven names associated with the seven spheres. It's a differentiation in the Kalim, but not in the Oyer, except Tiferes. Tiferes, we said, is Yudke Vavke, but everything is Yudke Vavke. That means Tiferes, <coughs> even the Kali is Yudke Vavke. This is basically a quote from Kabbalah, which is a classic quote from Kabbalah. This is the language they used, Oyer is Kalim, and... Uh, what I explained about Aris and Kalim was based on the Mashalom of the Balatanya, who always tried to, to bring things down in a comprehensible way, Chachma Bina, Bina Das. But that's what they say. But this has to be understood. Tiferis literally means beauty. From the word Pe'er, right? Tiferis, Lefaroi, Lahadre, from the word Tiferis, which is beauty. We say it Shimcha uh, Malkeinu uh, uh, every morning. Yeah, you remember what we said? Shimcha Malkeinu Yispoir Bashamayim Imal. It should be beautified, uh, praised. So we'll soon see what Tiferes means a little more. But generally, Tiferes means beauty. So why is it that Tiferes, the Kali, is also Yudkevavki, but other spheres not? Well, it's a strange thing that all the other ones, the Oyer and the Kali, never, there's a mismatch. The Oyer is always Yudke Vavke, and the Keli changes. Kel, Elikim, Shindalad Yud, Tzvokos, Eke. By Tiferes, here, the Oyer and the Keli are the same. 
What, what's the Havana? So you have to understand what Teferis is. For this, we have to understand a line in Pasach Anybody here says Pasach on Friday? There's a minig that Rizal has that before Mincha Erev Shabbos, you say Pasach Pasach is an introduction of the Tikkun Zoyar. The Zoyar has many sections, usually on the Parshas. Tikkun Zoyar is a sefer that was written on one word, Bereshis. Seventy interpretations to the word Bereshis. Basically, it's 70 combinations of how you could read the word Bereshis and explaining each one. What is Bereshis? Bereshis, we say, is the beginning. But Bereshis can also be Boroshis, which means he created six. This Doyar goes on to explain 70 ways of understanding Bereshis. This is called Tikkuni Zoyar. The introduction of Tikkuni Zoyar begins with the words, Posach Eliyahu Amar. Eliyahu Anavi opened up and spoke. And he said, so many Kehillahs following that reason, I'll say it Erev Shabbos before uh, Mincha. Erev Shabbos before Mincha. It's called Pasach Eliyahu. Pasach Eliyahu is now quoting from Pasach Eliyahu. He says as follows, Eliyahu Anavi says, Antu da pikas hasar tikunim v'karinam loinas asfira. You emitted, you released ten garments, tikunim are garments, and you called them ten spheres, ten lights. Chesed roi yimina. The right arm is chesed. He goes through the other ones. Gvura is the left arm. Teferis is the torso. Netzach v'hoid are the two thighs. Yesoid is the bris. And Malchus is the mouth. Chesed is the right arm. Gvura is the left arm. That's why in Kabbalah, the body, the physical uh, organism of the person and the spheres are matched. The right arm is, is chesed. The left arm is gvura. The torso is teferis. The two thighs and legs, right and left, is netzach and hoid. The procreative organ, what's called Ois Bris Kaidish, is Yisoid, and Malchus is sometimes defined as the spouse or the mouth, which is the ability to communicate. The first ability to communicate is through the mouth, everything else is until that point is internal. So here he just says, Chulu, Chulu. And he continues, Chachma Moicha, Chachma is associated with the brain, Bina Liba, Bina is associated with the heart, and he continues, Vachol Sphere Isla Shem Every sphere has a name, a known name. But va'ant you don't have a known name. You emitted, you created, not a created, you emitted, you identified ten garments, ten spirits, each one has, but you don't have a name. Antu chakim You are a chachim, but not with known chachma. Antu maven You're a maven, but not with known bina. In other words, you're wise, you're understanding, but not the type of chachma and bina that we identify with. Not knowing Chachma, not knowing Bina. Ah, Chakim is from the word Chachma, Maven from the word Bina. This is a quote from from uh, from Pasachaliyah. The Hine, now he says, let's think about this. First he mentions as one of the spheres, Chachma and Bina. He associates it even with different parts of the body, the brain or the heart. So when he says, you are a Chakim, but not with a Chachma Yediyah, the Einitzoyne Loimar, Antu Chakim, Shemeslabish Ba'isei Pchidus Chachma Shizkit Chilus Shomas Asvitz. That you are a Chakim, meaning that you are enclosed, you're manifested in that Chachma that we just mentioned as one of the ten spheres. The Midikama, since you just said, V'chol Sphere Isla Shem Yediyah, V'antlei Lach Shem Yediyah, Antu Chakim, 
all the spheres have a name, but you don't have a name, so you are Chakim, but not a known Chachm, the Pirush Antu Chakim, who Gamkim Bebchina the Leslach Shem Yediyah. So when we said about you, Antu Chakim, it's in the space where there's no known name. Ve'ilu, Bislapshus Oyden Seif Baruch Hu, Bas Asfidus Datsilus, Azay Nikru Hu Yiz Baruch B'Shem. But when you're enclosed in your spheres, then you do have a name. According to the sphere in which you manifest, the Pardis explains this in this portal called the portal of the canal, as we mentioned before, and so forth. There you do have a name. You understand what he's saying? Huh? It's not so hard. It just sounds hard. And the, the question is not hard. There's, a, there's an inherent paradox he's identifying. The Pasuk makes a map. He says, Hashem, God, emanated or identified within himself ten characteristics. And he gave them each a name, and he's manifested in them. And he expresses himself through them. There's Chachma, there's Bina, there's Chesed, and they're associated with different limbs of the body. And there's Chachma, and there's Bina, there's Chesed, there's Gura, Teferis, Netzach, Yisoyed, Malchus. Then he says, each of these spheres has a name, an identification. But you don't have a name. In other words, don't identify the spheres with God Himself. The spheres are an expression. He identified them within Himself. But don't say that's you. You don't have a known name. So the name Chesed, the name Gvura, the name Tiferes are all your names, but they're not ultimately your name. They don't capture the you. These are various ways in which Hashem chose chose to express Himself. These are the building blocks of the universe. These are this is a persona that He identifies within an infinite presence, but it's not uh, encompassing names that capture the essence. Clear. Now, when He says that includes all the spheres. You don't have their name, so that includes everything you said before. But suddenly. He starts saying, Antu Chakim, Antu Meivin. Now he's not meaning, he's not, not referring here to the Sphiris Antu Chakim, because this is already after he graduated from the Sphiris. He first associated Chachmem Bin with one of the Sphiris. And then he said, Each Sphir has a known name, but you don't have a known name. That's the you that transcends the Sphiris. When he starts talking about that you, he says, Antu Chakim, Antu Meivin. So he's not talking about the same. God of the Chachem and the Maven in terms of the Spheres. Because that has a name. And he's saying, you don't have a name. So what is, what's happening here? So first you tell me, you tell me, you don't have a name, and then you start giving him names. You start saying, Antu Chakim, Antu Maven. You just said he doesn't have a name. That's what he's saying. Since he says, Kol and you don't have a name, Antu Chakim, that means Antu Chakim is in a place where you don't have a name. The way he comes into the Esa Spheres, he does have a name. He does have a name. Here he's called Kael. Here he's called Elikim. So So if you don't have a name, don't say Antu Chakim. You could say before, one of the spirits is Chachma. So you have to say Pshatas as follows. This is his, his build-up to show in Pasach Eliyoh how you have to learn to be able to understand the Mahalach. Ela Pirush, the Pshatas Azai. The Mitchila Amar, first he said... Antu chad The way Pasuk Eliyahu begins is Pasuk Eliyahu Amari Boyn Almin. Antu chad You're one, but not in the cheshbon. In other words, it's not one with two, three, four, one that comes with. 
Then he says, "Antu da pikas asar tikunim kirinim loy nasas fira." You made ten spheres. Afal gav da pikas asar tikunim shem eses spheres the tikun datzilus. Even though from you come out ten spheres of atzilus, ashekol sphere upchinim yuchadam ezulasa chachmachasa, and each sphere is distinct. So how can I say you're one? It's not, you're not one. You're divisible. You would think in the essence there's also many distinct realities. That's why he finishes. It's not true. You would think that in the essence there's also many chinas. He says it's not true. Because you're a chachim, but not with known chachma. It's so neleimar ki chachma datzilus nikre chachma yedia. Chachma datzilus is called known chachma. Afal pishi gamkin beemes lemaila maila mimohus chachma debri yitzirasiya. Even though when we say it's known, it doesn't mean it's mamish known. It's completely beyond the chachma that we are familiar with in the lower world. Mekol makar kivon shi makar v'shoyrish le nikras chachma yedia. Since she is a source. For the Chachma in the lower worlds, it's called Chachma Yediyah. Because over there, in Atzilus, you have vessels. You have Chachma Yeshla Klibifne Atzmai. Bina has a Klibifne Atzmai. Vezeo Daika Be'eses Sviris Da'atzilus. That's only once you have ten Sviris, even in the world of Atzilus. Avomanda Antu Chakim Hubala Be'chachma Yediyah Klal. But when you say you are a Chachim, this is not a Chachma that's known. Aches Havus Chachma Da'atzilus. Mipchines antu chakim, who al derech his havus yesh meayin veloipchines ilavalulcha. To the point that the chachma of atzilus coming from antu chakim is like something from nothing. It's not cause and effect. Veloy al derech his havus chachma debri yitzirasiyim chachma atzilus. It's not like the chachma of the lower worlds comes from chachma of atzilus. Shazen nikra gamkin ishtalshlus. Over there, it's called an evolution. Shalakach nikra chachma atzilus chachma yidia. That's why it's called noin. How is it known? It's not known. The answer is, Since the lower Chachma of the lower worlds comes from it through an evolution, this is called Yidiyah. And the Bri Yitzirah Chachma is known. So even Chachma of Atzilis is called Yidiyah. Because it's the source of Adam Da'asiyah. Beyond the spheres, that's not a known chachma. The pardis used to call this Esser spheres hagnuzois b'maatzilon. The ten spheres, the way they're still concealed in their source. Shalze Omar, Antu Chakim, on this you could say Antu Chakim. <laughs> What is he saying? <coughs> there's two things here. There's the Havana of it, there's understanding the Teichen, and then there's Pashat understanding the the the, the, vocabulary. the vocabulary, the map, Pashat, the structure of the words. So I know that this is extremely uh, novel and perhaps very confusing, obscure uh, to some people sitting in this room, and even with a thought like... What am I supposed to do with uh, this material? Okay, another name, another name, another name. But uh, when it comes to these types of materials that are challenging, re- you could be rest assured that if you uh, if you uh, display diligence and commitment, so a, a a picture will be unraveled 
one that uh, may be quite uh, more powerful than a picture you've ever seen. So, but before the Havana, which we're not holding yet, yet, Pasha to understand the structure of the words, not not the Havana, but the, 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 the layout of the map. What, what is he saying? Not understanding what he's saying, but just what he's saying. He's using the text of Pasach Elio because of its authoritative nature, Elio Anavi in the Zohar, to, to, to paint a picture, or actually to destroy a picture. <laughs> Not to paint the picture, but to destroy the picture is more accurate. What is it? The Zohar makes a distinction. He asked this question. His question was, this seems like an inherent paradox. You say you're one, you're not part of the ten. But you identified within your infinity ten characteristics. And each one you gave a name. You're called a Bal Chesed, a Bal Gvura, Tiferes, you have Netzach, you have... And you're even associated with parts of the body, the physical body, and that also means the spiritual body. This is what's called the evolutionary process from the spiritual to the physical. And then you say, but you don't have a name. We're not going to identify you with a name. Not chesed, not gvura. We don't have a name for you. Okay. Then you start telling me, antu chakim, antu mevin. You are a chachim, you are a mevin. That's also a name. So you're back to the same problem. So he says you have to say, so when you say Antu Chakim, Antu Mevin, you're not going back to the names. It's talking about in a space that there's no name. But you just said that what? That there is a name. So he says, this is the distinction. What's the distinction? First you say Antu Chad, you're one. I, there's ten. There's ten. Kabbalah speaks about Hashem having Chachma, Bina, Chesed, Buddha, Teferis. Known as the ten spheres. They're also known as the ten spheres of the world of Atzillus, which is the highest or first world that Hashem creates a spiritual world. And over there, each sphere is distinct. So what do you mean you're one? You're not one. There's ten different items. So he says, no, don't think that in the essence there's ten items. There's distinctions. That's not true. Why? Why not? The answer is because The way you are a chachem is not called known chachma. The way you are a maven is not called known bina. Meaning, when I speak of Chachma as a Sphira, that's called Chachma Yediyah. When I speak about Bina as a Sphira or Chesed, it's called Chesed Yediyah. It's known. I, it's not. It's still the world of Atzillus, which is so transcendent. But it's a source of the Chachma that we identify. We all speak about intelligence. We all speak about wisdom. We speak about kindness. We speak about discipline. Our Chesed and Gvur is not the Chesed and Gvur of the Spheres, but it evolves from it after myriads and myriads. There's a link. It's not severed. It's not yesh meyayin. You don't call it something from nothing. Ex nihilo. It's called ilova alu. So that's why in the source it's already called yediyah. What makes it known? Not that that's known to us or graspable to us or identified. But what makes it known is because our chachma is known. Our bina is known. So that's why that's also yediyah. That's all the spheres. But then there's ant. There's you. Antu Chakim, you're also a Chacham. But that's not a type of Chachma that we could trace back our Chachma to and therefore give it a definition, give it a description. It's not a type of Bina that we can associate with our Bina and ultimately trace back our Bina up the ladder, back, back, back to the original. So yes, in you there's everything. You have Chachma, you have Bina, you have Chesed. But it's not Yediyah. You can't identify it as a source to the point 
that the Chachma of Atzilus could be seen as a creation Yeshme Ayin from the original Chachma. That's how far the gap is. That's how profound the gap between that original Chachma is and the Chachma of Sphiris. So now it's not a contradiction anymore. Antu Chat. I the Sphiris, that doesn't change the Chat. So you're going to tell me in the essence there's no Chachma, there's no Bina, there's not, no. It's Antu Chachim, you also have it all. But it's not a Chachma Yediyah. It's not a Bina Yediyah. And therefore it's also not a division in you. You can't say you have ten pieces in you. You're made up of ten chambers, of ten fragments. Because there's no distinction. In the spheres. there's a Keli. Chachma is not Bina. Bina is not Chachma. Because there's a vessel. They each have their own parameters, so to speak. Relatively speaking. In Ant... They don't have their own parameters. So therefore, you can't say you're made up of ten. You're still one. I you have everything. It's not called ten. It's called one. Because the two are not divisible from each other. They're in such an abstract way that you can't divide the Chachma from the Bina. So therefore, you can't say there's ten in you. There's only one in you. And because there's only one in you, therefore, the Chachma and the Bina don't compromise that one. is because it's a different type of Chachma and Bina. The Paradis called it Esesphiris. The ten spheres, the way they are, hidden, embedded, concealed in the source. There's the way they come out, identifiable. Here you could talk about ten. In the source, it's indivisible. You can't talk about ten. There's ten, but you can't talk about ten. You don't say ten. You could say antuchad, you could say one. Now, when we say all these words, it sounds like we're talking about a puzzle almost. But it's not. We're talking about a reality. It's just we have no ways of speaking about reality without words, without Caleb. So therefore we're forced to speak about words. As we shall soon see, this is classic uh, Kabbalistic analysis, as you can see. Classic Kabbalistic analysis, right? Now a person reads this, what's the relevance of this? What are the ramifications of this? I mean, uh, is it just... uh, you know, is it mumbo-jumbo? Uh, people who read this on a regular basis, you know, what are they... Is there experience to this? So, in the next tickle, he's going to begin showing the parallels of this idea, how this actually is reflected in reality. When we speak about the distinction between Antuchat and the spheres, it's not talking about an abstract puzzle. It's basically, ultimately, identifying different levels of reality. There's looking at reality and seeing one thing. There's looking at reality and seeing something else. In the human psyche itself, there's an evolution. There's a space in the human psyche where the characteristics of the personality are distinct. There's a space in the human psyche where the characteristics of the human personality are not distinct. They're holistic, they're integrated. In that itself, there's a space where you can't even talk about (coughs) differentiation of characteristics, where there's complete oneness. From this come out different systems of how to govern society. From this come out different social philosophies of how to distinguish and not distinguish between people. The Der HaFlaga, who apparently were very... uh, educated in some of these concepts were frustrated with a particular vision of the world and they tried to transcend that vision and when they tried to transcend that vision they wanted to create a different society based on it 
and yet they made a very serious mistake, which he's going to explain. I'll call upon them. So the Nakuda we have right now is that there is an important, in order to explain the Pardus and the Arizal, that Tiferes, the Kali and the Ur match, the only one. Remember, Yutke Vofke, the Ur and the Kali match. To explain this, he had to get into the analysis of Posachilio to show the difference between the spheres in Atsilus, where there's distinctiveness, 10, and the spheres the way they are in their source where there's no distinctiveness, it's unto chad, because you can't differentiate one from another, ayur achachem, it's not called chachma yidi, it's not called bin yidi. Okay, page 20, yeah? V'inyin zeh oyle bekona echad. Page 20, the line starts, b'ma'atzilon, b'ma'atzilon. The middle of the page, a little lower than the middle of the page. B'ma'atzilon alzeh omer antu chakim. Everything that we discussed, everything that we discussed is oila bekana echad. You know what oila bekana echad means? Oila bekana echad literally means it stands on one reed. It comes up on one reed, which is an expression in halachic literature very frequently when two separate sugyas seem distinct. But really, they both say the same point. So you say it's oila bekana echa. They really both grow in one reed. In other words, they the two ideas are synchronized. They're working together. They each say the same idea, even if in a different in a different language. Everything we discussed is suitable. It's oila bekana echa de mashakasov with a principle that's discussed in eitzchay. What's this principle? Sheyesh akudim. Nikudim Ubrudim. There's a world called the world of Akudim, the world of Nikudim, and the world of Brudim. Now you remember where these uh, expressions come from? <laughs> In Parshas Vayetze, at the end of Vayetze, we have, it's a fantastic story. I mean, every year you read it, you, you can almost sense how much mystery. <laughs> is in the story of how Yaakov dealt with his dear father-in-law, Lavan, in order to get some uh, reward, some wage for his 20 years of labor. So there's the whole parsha of what he did with the sheep and the flock of Lavan. And uh, how he made the sticks and he designed the sticks a certain way and he caused the sheep to give birth to speckled animals, different types of speckled animals, which became his and he became extremely wealthy from it. Now, there's a lot, a lot of, uh, it's, it's, a fa- it's a fascinating story because it's so, uh, you know, it's a very out-of-the-box story. Today, there's already studies that, uh, a fascinating study that was published, I think, in Tchumen. It's one of the periodicals that come out in Israel, that Yaakov's uh, dealing with the sheep was from his understanding of genetics. You ever saw? No. An incredible study. An incredible study from a genetic point of view. The Yitzchayim says, in Zoyar it says, that's how Yaakov put on tefillin. All the sticks was his way of putting on tefillin. All other explanations. The, huh? the black and the white. The black and the white, yeah. That's what the Zoyar says in Parshas Vayetz. The Arizal says in Yitzchayim that there are generally three worlds. The world of Akudim, the world of Nekudim, and the world of Brudim. Now what do these things, the, the words mean literally before we get to the 
to the to the nakuda of, uh, of of what it means spiritually. The word akudim comes from the word akeda, which means bound up, like akeda sitzchak, right? Bound up vayakoid. When you tie something up, you bound it up. It's called akud. Nikudim means dots from the word nikuda points. As Rashi says, nikudim are the animals that had uh, like polka dots, freckled, yeah. And then you have brudim. Brudim is it's not such a pasha tavart. Rashi himself struggles with the word brudim. Ah. Rashi says Brudim is Chutzalavon Makif as Gufon Saviv Chabarburis Shalipsuchem of Falashes Mizualzu. You also have dots, but they're open to each other. There's an opening from one point to another point, and there's a thread, so to speak, it looks like a thread that connects all of them. Brudim means integrated. Checkers. Well, they're connected to each other. They open up to each other. And uh, they're not self-contained; it's integrated. So the Eitzchayim says you have Akudim, Nakudim, and Brudim, and they represent three worlds. What does it mean, three worlds? Three universes. Now we're not talking about here about physical worlds; we're talking about spiritual universes. When we talk about spiritual universes, it means you have it in every world. It's basically three uh, paradigms, three states of mind, three states of consciousness. Whenever we speak about different worlds, they don't mean necessarily different worlds. You get into a spaceship. And you fly away a thousand light years and you'll bump into another world. All different worlds could be in the same space geographically or conceptually. It's a concept. It's a reality. It's three realities that Hashem allows to emerge, to exist. So the Yitzchayim says there's Akudim, Nekudim, and Brudim. What does this mean in language of Kabbalah? He's going to say what it means in language of Kabbalah and he's going to explain. Vahainu. In Akudim, you have all the ten spheres, but they're akud. They're bound up. What do you mean they're bound up? In one vessel. Ten distinct energies in one keli, which of course makes them not so distinct. So therefore, there's no room for division between the ten spheres because there's one keli. And keli is always the medium of expression. If all the ten are expressed through one vessel, that means they're expressing the same thing. So it's not really divided into ten. So you may say, so why call it ten? Just call it one. But that's the Chiddush of Akudim. There's ten spheres, but they're Akud bikli Echad. They're bound up in one vessel. Next, Nikudim is not Akud. Nikudim means Nikudus, Nikudus. Points. Shenech lekula eser Nikudus. Here they're divided into ten different points. In other words, ten vessels. It's not akud bekli echot. It's not akud anymore. It's nekudim, nekudim. Each sphera is a self-contained reality. It's a self-contained universe. It has its keli. It has its medium. Its facilitator. Its channel. Its expression. And what's brudim? Brudim hu oilam hatikun. Brudim, which means integration, is a third world. It's called the world of tikun. In contrast to Nikudim, which is called the world of Toyu, the world which ultimately will become the world of chaos, that's Nikudim, and then you have Brudim, is called Eulam Ha'atikun Pchinas Partsufim. This is all language of the Eitz Chaim. Partsufim means structures, a parts of means a face, a full face, a full structure, 
basically a part of is like an organism. And in an organism, there's always integration. All the limbs and organs are integrated to create an organism. Now, an organism doesn't do the same thing. An organism has so many different abilities. It's incredible. 50 trillion cells in an organ, say a human, a human body, but they're all working together. That's called brudim. It's not that the ten spheres are bound up in one vessel. In akudim, there's no hischalkus of esses spheres, there's no division. In akudim, there's a real division. Nikudim, everyone is self-condemned. In brudim, you still have, you have ten, like nikudim. But there is, it's called tikkun. It's a world of correction, a world of healing, a world of parts of... Which is the world of soul? Akudim or Nikudim is Nikudim is Toyo. Which he's going to explain the connection. Here he just says, <laughs> Brudim is Tikkun, so you understand the one before that was not Tikkun. Vizel Shamar So what we explained before about Pasach fits very well with Deitz Chayim. In other words, the theme that we discovered in Zayar is really the theme that Arizal says in his own words. Because when Elio Anavi says, when he says, you're one, without being part of numbers, but you emitted from yourself ten unique characteristics called ten spheres, and each one has a name, and each one corresponds to a different limb of the body, that's the ten spheres of Brudin. But where is their source? And then he finishes in Pasach and he says, but you don't have a name. They have a name. Chesed, Gvurit, Tiferes, But you don't have a name. You are a Chachem, but not with known Chachma. You're a maiden, but not with known Bina. So he says, what is that? How do you say you're a Chachem when you're not a name? Because over there it is beyond, beyond name. So he says what he says, Sharsham Makaidam, the source of Brudim, Haim Khishaim Khinas Akudim, which is Akudim Arayim Bikli Echad Mamish Kalab Khinas Chachma Binachul. All the ten attributes, Chachma, Bina, Das, etc., are all bound up in one vessel. Vahainu, Lufishem La Maila Maila Mimuhus, Chachmo Bina Yiduyim Datsilas, because they transcend infinitely the Chachma and Bina, which are Yediyah, which are known in the world of Atzillus, which is already, already called Bruyim. Brudim. Brudim. So when we spoke about that there's two states of spheres, there's Eses, spheres, Hagnuzas, the ten spheres, the way they're still concealed in their source, that represents the world of Akudim. Then after that, there's the world of Nikudim, where they become distinct. And then there's the world of Brudim, where they're distinct, but they become integrated, even though they're not in one vessel anymore, because it's not the world of Akudim. But Brudim is already Atzillus and Downward? That's Atzillus and Downward. Tikkun. Nikudim is higher than Atzillus. Nikudim is higher than Atzillus, but it has its challenges, as we shall see. But it's higher than Atzillus. Now this parenthesis, I'm learning, not really to learn, it's just sometimes good to see uh, what there is to learn. So the emergence of Chachma and Bina and Atzilis could be called something from nothing. Now he doesn't mean it's really something from nothing, because ultimately it comes from Ant. But from our perspective, the relationship is so extreme, it's so, the gulf is so profound, it's a quantum leap, so it's called something from nothing. You can't see the evolutionary process. 
from the sperm, from, 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 from a seed. In a seed you have microscopically, you have an organism, from a seed and an egg. In the seed of an apple, you have the entire apple tree, every element of the apple tree. That's called ilava alu. You could see the source of evolution. From this will come this. It may take 70 years. It may take 500 years. But you could see in the first source, you can identify the properties in the final product. That's ilova alu. Versus yesh you can't identify and trace it back. That's how profound the leap is. That's how profound the gulf is. Now here are words. I know they're words and they're new words. But it's good to know words sometimes. How does Chachm bin Avatzilis come from the Esesphiris Agnizis from Akudim? For this there has to be something called Tzimtzum Ak. The restriction, the Tzimtzum, known as Tzimtzum Ak, the Tzimtzum of Adam Kadma. That's not enough. There has to be what's called Tzimtzum Hadikna, the Tzimtzum of the beard. Ad, until you reach a point, the Abba ve'ime yoyim kimrak b'bchina Cyrus. That Chachma and Bina get their nurture only from here. And here doesn't have any nerves. In other words, it's a very restricted form of energy. When you cut here, it doesn't, doesn't hurt. Mashekin me'atzilis libriya, e'ne rak al-yidei parser. Matzilis tibriya, all you have is a parser, which means a veil, a curtain. She'ene me'erech ha'tzimtzumim elu she'ben adam kadman la'atzilis v'lechen nikri ishtalshlis. You can't compare the quantum leap from Atsilis to Bria, and the quantum leap from beyond Atsilis, from what's called Ak, from Akudim to Brudim. It's a whole different level, and that's why we call it Yesh Me'ayin versus Hishtalshalis. Not evolution, but something new. <clears throat> and that's why the spheres in Akudim are called concealed. Why are they called concealed? Because... In the world of Akudim, the ten spheres are Akud in one Kli. There's no division. So therefore it's called Gnuzus. The Yuvenal Derech Mashal. Sometimes the Mashal itself need, is the Mashal itself is a Nimshal, but uh, he gives a Mashal. What's the Mashal? You have the faculties of the soul, and they all come into the limbs of the body. Life is a marriage between Nefesh and Guf, between soul and body. The soul has many faculties, and it all expressed in different limbs. Hareim is chalkim. The soul becomes divisible. Kol koyach Beautiful words. Each koyach of the nefesh is its own entity. and has its own limb, its own vessel. Koyach There's something called the spiritual power of vision. We say a soul sees, a mind sees. But in the body, vision means something else. It's not my mind sees. It's my eye has the ability to perceive. Of course, it's all processed and accessed and experienced <coughs> in the brain, explained by the brain, the mind, which basically contains the nefesh. So there's the koyachari of the nefesh, but it's only through the marriage of soul and body that it could be manifested in physical eyesight. So you have the koyach of re'iyah, which may be a spiritual energy. But then you have the keli, the aver, the limb, with the eye, which facilitates it, which brings it out. And it's the marriage of the two. A corpse can't see, but a soul without a body also can't see physically. Because you don't have the keli. So here you have an example of oir and kli. Oir would be the energy, the power, 
the ability, and then Kali is the, 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 the physical vessel that allows it to happen. And of course, the Koya in the pinky would not work, because the eye is brilliantly, beyond brilliantly, designed in a way, you know, you know how many cameras the eye has? You have those modern warplanes that has 4,000 cameras, but it pales in comparison to the sophistication of what an eye picks up. Of course, we take it for granted like we take everything for granted. And what the chemistry of the ear is made up of is comprised of to be able to allow that experience that a person can hear something. And every aver has its own unique chemistry, its own keli, that facilitates and accesses a certain type of koyach that wouldn't belong in another. You can't expect the lungs to do what the liver does and the pancreas to do what the heart does. It would be sakonis nefashas. Everyone is designed in a way to facilitate a certain function. And that function is a spiritual koyach, he says, from the nefesh. That marries the guf. So he says, The power of, of hearing, of audio in the ear. There's the power of action with your hands. Your hands are designed in a way to do mice. These are functional limbs. But then there's the higher faculties. For example, the mind is in the brain. What is the brain made up of to be able to house the human mind? What is the brain made up of? Now these are the big arguments today neurologically. What exactly we're made up of? We still don't know what exactly we're made up of. You know, what makes us tick? What are we? Are we just basically a cholent of chemicals? Or there is uh, there's something deeper? Obviously, you know what his view was. So you have the koyach ha-seichel v'moyach. Don't confuse the two. Moyach is the physical brain. Seichel is the electricity in the brain, the mind in the brain. Then you have koyach ha-midiz emotions that are expressed in the heart. V'hinei kol koyaches elunim shachim umispashtim minan nefesh ha-achaz all these faculties, these and many more, power of sight, the power of hearing, the power of action, the power of motion, the power of a mind, the power of... All these koiches, all these faculties come from one soul, which is an etzem echad. It's an essence. What did these faculties look like when they were still subsumed in their source, in their progenitor, their soul. <laughs> they were completely integrated without any division. The soul is one. The soul is one indivisible essence. And therefore, even though the soul includes the capacity for all of these various faculties, which will be expressed in the body, the soul has it all. But the way it's in the soul is... They're all integrated as one. But how is this? Eyesight and hearing are two separate realities. They, they, it's two separate things. When all these faculties were still in the soul, it's in a far more refined, abstract, transcendent, spiritual state, much more, without even a shir, you can't even estimate the distance from the way it's manifested in the body, in the brood body. over there in the source, all the koiches are so united as though it's one thing, even though it's not. Because if it was one, 
then the body would not be able to bring out things that don't exist. The nefesh has in it all of the kaychas, but in the nefesh there's no division. When the nefesh meets the body, when the nefesh meets the body, so then the keli, so to speak, a new thing happens. That the various elements that are first contained in potential, in a much more transcendent and refined space in the nefesh, come out and are manifested in the nekudim and brudim, in distinct fashions. There's a house, there's a home for koyach and there's a home on a boat for koyach and there's a home for Koyach HaSeichel, and there's a home for Koyach HaLicha, there's a home for Koyach HaMais, and there's a home for Koyach HaIkol, for dig- whatever, whatever Koyach you're dealing with. Ikol means digestion. Every different Koyach that in the Nefesh exists as one, as part of the soul. So then, you do not have in the soul all these distinctions, even though you have it all, but it's like one. That's his marshal for Olam HaAkudim in the person. Here we see immediately that uh, Balatanya maintains that everything that's discussed in Pasach and in Eitz Chayim is reflected in the way the human life functions. This means there's a space in the person where all of the various faculties are completely one. You can't even distinguish between the two. That's how deeply connected they are. Then in the body they assume distinct models. But essentially, what are they? They come from a place of complete oneness where there's his scholars. And this is the nimshal. Atzilus would be like the soul in the body. So you have ten spheres, each one has its own vessel. Each one is distinct. in their source. Called Pchinas Esses Spheres Agnuzas, the Paradis calls it, or Moshe Cordovera calls it, the ten spheres that are hidden, embedded in their source. They're in a far higher state, much more fine and higher infinitely. Over there it's Mamish one. That's what Eitzchayim says, it's called Akudim, it's bound up in one vessel. The Pasachelio says, you also have Chachma, you also have Binna. But it's not the Chachma and Binna we, we call Chachma and Binna. Because we define it as different things. By you, it's completely one. That's why it's not called Chachma Yediyah. Because even though Atzillus is also not Chachma Yediyah, but we could already trace our Chachma back to that Chachma. There's a similarities of property, so we call it Yediyah. And the way it's in you, it's all there. But it's not Yediyah. It's beyond beyond Shem, even though we call it that, we call it Esses, Spheris, Agnosis, we're calling it ten, but we're saying don't think it's our ten, because over there it's all one, and nonetheless from there comes the ten that we have, from Akudim will come Nakudim, and will come Brudim, just like in the person, from that one indivisible soul will ultimately come out all of the various diverse faculties that will find unique and individual expression, they will become individuated and fragmented, and integrated within the various limbs of the body, each koyach in a particular aver. But really that means that there's always a space where there's no division, where there's, so, where there's complete So it goes full cycle, so in the progenitor soul of the person, nefesh, that's also lo chakim, we don't see the link to our chakim. Right. It's only when it comes into the body. Even though it's there, it comes from there. Right. But we will identify it in terms of yesh mayayin because it's not a natural, uh, so our it's not an hash- easily evolutionary process. So our koach we see is linked to our real shmiyah. 
but the primordial koach shmiya, which is part of the right. one nefesh that we don't see. Right. Because the the, the gulf is the gulf is so profound, and he says v'zeu shechbatzilus chachma v'chesed hem shnei dvarim shoyim zemiza. That's why in Atzilus, Chachma and Chesed are two separate things. Hainu, Lufisha Chachma da Atzilus, Eina Be'erech Klal Mohusa Chachma da Kudim. Because Chachma of Atzilus is completely not in the same Erech of the Mohus of Chachma and Akudim. So therefore, Chachma and Chesed feel separate. Because in Akudim, they don't feel separate. But in Atzilus, this is Chachma, this is Chesed. Why? They have two separate Kalim. Why? Because it's not experiencing that same consciousness. That's called Yediyah. And then he says, Then comes Nekudim. Now each Sphere is separate. So you have ten different Nekudas. There was a tremendous descent from the spheres the way they are in Akudim, Shein Kulam Dover Echad Kanal, over there they are all one, as said, Mashenkin Be'eses Sphere is the Nekudim, there they are separate, Vezel Kamoi Pchines Chachma Yediyah, back to the language of Pasach Eliyahu, this is already called Noen Chachma, articulate definitive. The term that's used there frequently is Eses Sphere Hagnuzas, ten spheres that are hidden, that are concealed. Now, we have to learn a little bit of a different language. When we say gunners, hidden, what does a hidden mean? You have an expensive uh, diamond ring, and you don't want it to be uh, exposed, so you hide it. You hide it in a drawer, you hide it uh, in, in, a, in a safe, you, you have a lot of cash, so you put it in your pillowcase. In other words, hidden means you have one thing, you have something else, you find something that people don't see, so you hide it. So when we hear the word Esesphiris Agnosis, we naturally assume ten spheres that are hidden. What do we mean by hidden? <coughs> hidden means it's concealed, it's not, uh, it's not accentuated, it's not identified, it's not revealed, it's not expressed. However, this is when you're dealing with physical properties, you could say you have this item, you have this item, you have a drawer, you have a ring, and you hide your ring, you hide your, you your money in the drawer. When you're speaking about uh, spiritual energy, the word gnuzois doesn't mean it's one thing hidden in another thing. The word gnuzois means something completely different. It means that it's, it, it belongs. <laughs> it's not hidden there. It belongs there. It's be'etzim it's, it's there. It's essentially there. So what, 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 what does it mean that it's hidden? What do we mean it's hidden? That it's a secret? Nobody knows about it? That's what we call hidden. You put this here, it should be hidden. Over there, what, what, what means it's hidden is that it's not felt. It's not experienced. It's concealed. So what makes it there? So why is it there? So gonos is a sophisticated term of explaining when something has something... But that something that it contains is not felt as a separate entity. Because it's not experienced as a separate entity, so therefore it's gonus. It's not crystallized. It's not identified. Because what's felt primarily is its source. And therefore, we call it SS Fidus Why am I saying this? Huh? You can get to it as long as you're not trying to get to it. 
You can get to it as long as you're not trying to get to it. So let me bring out one Nakuda. Uh, we'll continue still, but Bekitzer here, one Nakuda of, of this Esses for this Agnosis. When you have, there's three models here. There's Akudim, there's Nakudim, and there's Brudim. Now I'm going to change the subject completely, simply because what we're going to discover here is not stam vertlach akudim akudim abrudim. It is one of the hardest things that humanity has to struggle with from the beginning of existence is how do you create a society that works? If everybody was living alone, it wouldn't be a problem. When you have different people who have divergent interests and conflicting identities, and conflicting patterns, how do you create a society? The science, political science, the science of creating a cohesive, integrated, peaceful society is one of the hardest things in the world, and we still see that we, uh, <laughs> we're trying to get somewhere. Yeah. So Churchill once said that... Uh, that democracy is a horrible, horrible system, but it's the best that's out there. He also said that socialism, that uh, capitalism is uh, terrible because it's the unequal distribution of wealth. He says socialism is the equal distribution of misery. <laughs> it's equal. Everybody gets the same, but it's misery. That was a very insightful uh, way of describing uh, Stalin's uh, Stalin Soviet Union. But I want to show you, and this is going to come back to the Der Haflaga, that there's basically three principles of how to create a society. And they're rooted nowhere, no, they're rooted surprisingly in Akudim, Nikudim, and Brudim. That's where they're rooted. And uh, maybe in an inaccurate form, just to get the point, you really have the model which we call today the socialist model, socialism. You have the second model, which we call capitalistic capitalism. And then you have a third model, which in Eitzchayim is called Brudin. One model, which uh, Karl Marx, who was uh, also a Jew, uh, introduced in his uh, manifesto, was that essentially the problem of life is that there's diversity, that there's people who have and people who don't have. And the way to create peace in the world is if you get rid of those distinctions. So there's no people who have and don't have because there's no people, and there's no individual people. There's only a tzibur. This is a very deep political philosophy. It created hell on earth, we know that, animal farm. My family comes from Russia and suffer terribly, so I know a little bit about it. Huh? The kibbutz is based on that ideal. The kibbutz system is the socialist model where we all work together and we don't accentuate our differences. What we focus in is we're really one. What we call a tzibur, we're a klal. Yes, a klal is made up of yechidim, but what's relevant is the klal. The problem is when you have a Lenin and a Trotsky and a Stalin who take over that klal, right? So everybody is equal, but some are more equal than others. That's how it is. And every... Now, we have it also in Jewish communities. Yeshiva Thor. Yeshiva Thor. Yesh v'yesh. 
But what's the model? The model is, there's no you, there's no I. There's us. There's we. There's the state, whatever you want to call it, the state, the philosophy, the goal, the ambition, the vision, right? And we're all screws that ultimately make it happen. But therefore the distribution of wealth has to be completely equal. There's no ownership. I don't own a house. I don't create my life. We create a life for all of us. And ideally it's a very beautiful idea, right? Imagine no borders, no nations, <coughs> no countries, nothing dividing us. It's very deep. Alpich Siddhis, Alpich Kabbalah, it's rooted in the vision of Akudu. Which is not only real, it's as real as you can get. For the Rabbanishal. Right, right. There's a space in which there's really no division. Now, no division doesn't mean there's no ten Svidas. You see, he struggles. He says, Ki'ilu. If there's no ten, what do you tell me it's ten in one Kli? Say, say there's no ten. Say it's one. He doesn't say it's one. He says, Eser akud bikli echad. What is this, a funny paradox? With Eser or one? What, 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 do you, what, what games is it? It's not ten. So say it's not ten, it's one. So there's no Chachma, there's no Chenona. He says it's ten, but it's one. Why? What does this mean? What it means is, and it's an abstract idea, there's a space, Kevayachal, where the spheroids don't experience themselves as independent characteristics. What essentially they are is, to use a yeshiva shaloshim, the sphere is a hechi timtza for the infinity of Hashem to be expressed in infinite ways. If it's to be expressed in infinite ways, it can also be expressed through finite characteristic. So it's not the finiteness of the characteristic that it's felt, is felt. What's felt is that this finite characteristic is another way of expressing infinity. So therefore, Chachma and Chesed are completely diverse, but they're completely one. Because I'm expressing the Ein Soif, and you're expressing the Ein Soif. I'm expressing it through my uh, identity, and you're expressing it through your identity. So really, we're so different, but really, we're absolutely not different. What's, what's nirgish is not self-consciousness. What's nirgish is that since Hashem is Ein Soif, Infinity includes every possibility. It includes also structure. There's a lotion of the Arizal that there could have been spheres and cakes. How many spheres could have been? I don't know. It could be endless. He chose these ten. Why he chose these ten is not Hashayla. It's not for now. But it's these ten. So what are these ten? Are they ten or are they one? They're ten, but they're one. Why? Because in the world of Akudim, all the ten, what they're saying is, I'm not I. I am an expression of infinity. I am an expression of infinity, so therefore you and I were one. You express infinity your way. I express infinity my way. Translate that now into a political system (laughs) in a more brute fashion. What is that? Is that there's no distinction. There's oneness. You drive a trap. What do they do on the kibbutz? You plant the potatoes, and I harvest the potatoes. You pick the cotton. And I'll drive the tractor. You put up the building, and you drive the van. You make lunch, and I make dinner. But there's a kibbutz. <laughs> this is a vision of life. Huh? Well, well, animals do this on their own. <laughs> you have the colonies of, 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 of 100 million ants. 
that they call a superorganism because they act as though they were one person. You know that? Nobody knows how. How do millions of ants communicate with each other and they don't even text? <laughs> but it's a vision of the world. It's a vision of the world. That's the world of Akuda. So a kibbutznik doesn't even experience himself as, as separate from the other. The tractor person thinks he's the same as the tree picker. The so to speak. If only, if only. I'm, I'm romanticizing here the kibbutz. I'm soon going to sound like Ben-Gurion. But... Even the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a camp. It's a camp. Soldiers in war. Not everybody does the same thing. Every soldier has his function. Some people, you have the chaplain, you have the doctor, you have the cook. We're fighting a war. Patton, Same thing. Patton expressed it that way. Huh? Patton expressed yes. it that way. What did Patton say? He said that the guy that drives the uh, truck. The same Nakut. Yeah. The same it's a very, It's a very profound idea. If only. says <laughs> if only. Krishna's is individuality true or not true? If there would have only been the world of Akudim, this would be the only way to live. Because this would be life. Because this MS. In the world of Akudim, this is MS. So the way it, it, it trickles down into our consciousness, there's no separate consciousness. That's what Esesphiris Hagnuzis means. It doesn't mean Hashem takes the Sphiris and says, I'm going to hide it in a hiding place. Gnuzis means, what means it's hidden? It's not felt. Why is it not felt? Not because you don't have it, you have everything. And you have it in a more powerful way than you have it anywhere else. Because it's in the source. Anything that's in its source is always more powerful. Because that's the battery, that's the engine. But the way it's there, it's gonos. What it means is gonos. It doesn't have any iota of self-consciousness. Chachma is not chachma. What is chachma? A din in Ein In yeshivish terminology, you would say the spheres in Akudim are not spheres. They're a hechitimtza in Ein It's a din in Ein You understand? Mitzad Ein Ein Soif includes the possibility for wisdom, possibility for compassion, possibility for victory, and possibility for leadership. Either so different, Gvura and Chesed are different. That's only if Gvura and Chesed are looking at their personality, at the software. But if you go to the hardware, or you go to the chip, you go to the core, what is it? It's just infinity expressing itself through different colors. It's a rainbow. It's a rainbow of characteristics that are all paying tribute to a singular, transcendent, infinite truth that permeates and penetrates every conceivable reality, because that's what infinity means. But even the different levels, you may drive a tractor, and I may be a world neurologist, no difference. Came capitalism and said, no, 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 no. This is denial of human nature. And the Gemara says it very beautifully in Baba Metziah. You remember? Adam Reutze Bekav Shaloi Yoiser Metisha Kavim Shal Chaver I gave you my grain, I gave you my fruits, it's rotting away, you want to sell it and give me other ones? I would rather lose my Tisha Kavim and have plus his mind gelt. <laughs> Why? Is this true or not true? So Churchill said, you want the equal distribution of misery, or you want the unequal distribution of wealth? If you let people own their lives, you will 
unleash creativity. I'm not working for you for the rest of my life. That's how it is in life. You want me to work 18 hours a day? I have to see the money. We all know entrepreneurs, since most people here don't have a 9 to 5 job, as is obvious. Right? Baruch Hashem. We all know that there is a, a, a passion that is unleashed when you work for yourself. And even if you're not working for yourself, the fact you own, it's your house, it's your car, it's your money, it's your future. Capitalism speaks to that. Where does that come from? Nekudim. Nekudim is each spirit is no, I am I. You are you, but I am I, and I take care of myself. And ultimately, this creates Olam Hatayim. Why? Why? Because each one, if it's not tempered, goes to an extreme. Because remember, they're divine. And if it's divine, it's infinite. But here, your infinity is not being attributed to the source. Your infinity is being attributed to yourself. So therefore, Gvura says, I have no limits. And Chesed says, I have no limits. And Tiferet says, I have no limits. And there's a, there is chaos which comes from absolute narcissism. I'm, I'm saying how it trickles down into our consciousness. It, in the Kudim, there's no narcissism. It's holy. But the concept of separateness to an extreme produced the world of capitalism, which is a world where shali shali. Shali shali shalom. And there's a blessing to that. You know why? Because people work for themselves. It's a tremendous blessing. There's a reason that the Soviet Union ended up like the Soviet Union and the United States of America and the United States of America. And trust me, we're very happy to live in the experiment of Nekudim rather than the experiment of Akudim. I don't mean the Eitzchayim's Akudim, Akudim. I mean Marx and Lenin. Because to live in the world of Akudim, you need two things. You need people who have no ego. <laughs> You understand? If I create a community and I say, we're all one, <laughs> but I'm on the top. <laughs> if I have no ego, it's fine. What if I have an ego? What happens? Everyone becomes animals, manipulated victims. That's what happens. You understand? And that's what people are frustrated in certain communities because they sense it, but they don't know how to articulate it. At the Shalashudah's Torah, you're screaming, everybody is equal. But some are a little more equal than others. At least tell me we're not equal. Capitalism, I'm fine with capitalism. Make your money and become a millionaire. I have no issue. Maybe I'll be jealous of you. So for that, I go to therapy. No problem. Therapy is also, I work for me, you work for you. No issue. And who was it? Who explained how the chickens of Thanksgiving, everybody does their own thing, and ultimately the greater good... Uh, Smith, who was the... Adam Smith, Yeah. So ultimately, they time it through great capitalism, the society becomes much better. Because you succeed, I succeed, we both succeed, we're happier people. We're not miserable people. But why did most Jews support socialism? Why did socialism and communism unleash the creativity of millions of Jewish youth who closed the Gemaris in the 19th century and early 20th century to become some of the greatest socialist revolutionaries. You know why? Because the Jewish soul is rooted in Akudim. So this speaks to us very deeply. It speaks to us, the vision of, of, of unity, of oneness. And the reason it speaks to us, because it's true. It's true. And the big Chiddush of the Balatanya here is that the only way we can access the truth of Akudim is ultimately through Brudim. And Brudim is different than Akudim and Akudim. 
In Akudim, there's no spheris. What do we mean? There are spheris, but there's one kli. What means one kli? What you're seeing is oneness. You may see ten different expressions, but they're all expressing one. So they're gnuzos. You don't hear the sphere. What you hear is the ain saif. In the kudim, there's emergence. I emerge. You emerge. We're born. And when we're born, it's already yesh me'ayin. You can't trace it back. That's why it's not eshtalshalos. It comes from there. But the quantum leap is so profound because in akudim, you don't hear chesed. You don't hear gvura. What you hear is and in the Kudim, you already hear the words Chesed, Gvurit, Teferis. Individuality is born. Once individuality is born, what do you do with it? Is there a way of going back to oneness? This is the great struggle of humanity. We feel that we're one, but we can't be one. <laughs> on a marriage, look at a marriage. A marriages that are based on a Kudim, you know what they end up looking like? A chassan who tells a kala, we are identical. We don't even have different personalities. We're mamish one. You know what happens? Huh? One day somebody wakes up and says, you know, I don't think we're mamish one. I think we have some different personalities, yeah? It starts with small things. The Venetian blinds are closed in the house or open in the house. The lights stay open at night in the room or not? Etc., etc. Small things and big things. What happens? You learn that you're an individual. Especially when there's an ego. So now there's another path. The path is what today a lot of many democracies look like. Europe and even America certain ways. And that is extreme individuality. I don't need anybody else. That's what creates toyo. That creates toyo. That ultimately creates toyo. Because it's a denial of Akudim. So how do you negotiate these two opposite forces? The oneness and individuality. Could you? And, and, and society has not managed to. You either go to this extreme or this extreme. But you can't even do it by yourself. Indeed. Even in your own life and even in your marriage, it's very difficult. We want to be one, but we don't want to be one. We want to be separate. And then you have Hilcha Sefer the lachas in a sefer is the Gemara says kol ois she'ene mukaf gvil ma'arber uchaisa. It's not kosher. Every letter has to have white parchment surrounding it from all four sides. In other words, it can't touch another letter. On the other hand, if you separate the two letters to the point that you don't see it's part of one word, nishgut. That's brudim. Brudim means where akudim is translated into a concrete world of diversity and individuality. And it's one of the big chidushim of the Balatanya that the world of Berudim is much closer to Akudim than the world of Nekudim. Even though the energy is compromised so profoundly. Because it's compromised is really not because it's compromised. It's compromised is because it has a responsibility to oneness, as we shall see. The Deir HaFlug apparently knew all this. And he believes that this was the first attempt for a socialist community. Or Kabbalistically, for a community of Hakudim, which is a beautiful vision. Venasalonu shame. They wanted one name of God. They didn't want seven names. <laughs> now what's fascinating is, interesting, if you open up a Chumash Hamek Dover of the Nitziv, so he says in Pshat, 
the Nitziv passed away in uh, the 18, uh, 1890s. He was the Rosh Hashiva of Valozhin, which is in Belarus. He was the Rav of Valozhin and Rosh Hashiva of Valozhin. He was a son-in-law of Rabbi Itchel of Valozhiner, who was the son of Rabbi Chaim Valozhiner, who founded the Valozhiner Yeshiva in the early 1800s, the Talmud of the Vilna Gaon. And then Nitziv led it for many years till it closed down. In the 1890s, he passed away shortly after Tafresh Nun Gimel Mandala, the 1893 around. Rabbi Berlin. He has a Pidush on Chumash. It's a very interesting, it's called Hamik Davar. The Der Haflaga story, he says, they wanted that the entire society, Dvarim Achadim, everybody should say the same thing. They wanted a uniform society. They wanted everybody to believe the same thing, to preach the same thing, and to live the same way. And God says, that's how you destroy people. It doesn't work that way. You need, I'm, I'm using my own language a little bit, this is, this, he writes in the 1800s, a little bit different language, but that's his concept. He wrote this a, a few years after Marx's manifesto. And I believe that Nitziv knew about the manifesto. I don't know what he read, what he didn't read, but my hunch is that he knew about it. Uh, so, And he saw the Der Haflaga as a protest of God against socialism. Now here, which is a generation before, you have it in, not in political language or... Uh, even so practical language, you have it in mystical, spiritual language, but that's the concept. They wanted a society of oneness. Now, the Nitziv doesn't make it idealistic. <coughs> he compares it to what happened in, 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 in Russia. Nobody's allowed to say anything. You're not allowed to speak. You're not allowed to share your opinion. You're not allowed to, the greatness of America is you're allowed to criticize the government, right? Uh, Jefferson said, if I had to choose between a free government... And a free press, what would I choose? A free press. Okay. Okay. Okay, and if your wife was here, we would hear a little more about that. Yeah. How it changed and where it changed. But, but Jefferson was right. Why? Because if you don't have a free press, then free government is meaningless. Because propaganda, you know... Uh, uh, Soviet Union, they lived in terrible poverty. Terrible. But if you visited Russia in the 60s or 70s, one thing, every house had a television. The Russians, every house. Why? The government made sure. Because the television was the tool of propaganda. You can have a free, a free Hamas was also vote, but they tell you how to vote, what to vote, who you have to vote for, what's true. My brother once told me the first thing dictators do when they come to power is they create a bureau called truth. <laughs> a bureau of truth. Pravda, Hitler made it. This becomes, the st- if I control information, I don't care if you vote. I don't care if you're free. The main thing is I control the information that comes to you. A free press, you don't control information. If you don't control information... You listen to Michael Savage? <laughs> but in America we could say this in Russia you couldn't say this you understand there was a Yid who once came to made Aliyah to Israel in 1972 there was a big uh, big migration of Aliyah <laughs> a big migration of Aliyah so this uh, reporter from Yediyat Achronot the big Israeli newspaper comes with a, a, a TV reporter comes with a mic by the airport he wants to get the first scoop 
interview the Oleh Hadash that comes from uh, this former from the Soviet Union. So he says, Bruchim Abayim Israel, welcome to Israel. He says, Yes, I'm, I'm happy to be here. He says, He wants to scoop. So he says, So tell me, how was life back in the Soviet Union? And he wants to contrast, you know, the Jerusalem. Couldn't complain. It's not what he wanted to hear. He says, How was your income? You know, how was your revenue? He says, Never complain. He says, How was your house, your living quarters? Couldn't complain. He says, how was the freedom, the social life, freedom of... Couldn't complain. So he says, so why in the world did you come to Israel? He says, because here I could complain. (laughs) You understand? So let's remember that. You could complain, that's a big thing. So how do you balance the two visions? Which is akudim and akudim. So that's where brudim comes. And that's atzilus, that's why it's called oilam hatikon. The world of Tikkun is a world where things start becoming fixed up, not by compromising on one or the other. Now there is a sacrifice. It's 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 a process. That's Brudim is Olam Tikkun. Brudim. It's what he said. Brudim is Atzilus, which is Tikkun. It's called Partsufim. Partsufim means an organism. What's the beauty of an organism? What's the miracle of a body? Anybody who studies biology. Synchronization without denying individuality. You never have the heart, the brain talking to the heart and saying, When are you going to look like me? When are you going to be like me? When are you going to do things like I do it? Because the brain knows that if the heart stops being it, the brain will not be able to continue its life. It cherishes individuality, but it remembers that really all of it comes from one singular organism. The way we see this today is that today we know that every cell from the 50 trillion cells contains the genetic code of the entire organism. In other words, even in the world of Brudim, you have a trace of the world of Akudim. He said in the Nefesh, everything is one. Where does that come out, that it's all one? It becomes separate. It comes out that in every separate cell, which has a different function in the body, every cell has its contribution. That's why the cells reproduce. No two cells. It's a fascinating thing what the cells do. But every cell maintains the code, the DNA, of the entire organism, which is half of a fella. And it means genetically that in one cell, you have ultimately the kach. And today in neurology... Today, Nirada they're figuring out that Rahmanul Islam, people who have situations that paralyze and don't allow certain parts of the body to function, but certain parts of the brain, which were responsible for them, cannot function anymore. Can you teach other parts of the brain to compensate? Right? If you can go into the world of the nefesh, where all the koiches are really one, so that's ultimately, spiritually, the source of the new medicine, of the new technology where you find out that each region ultimately contains on some level the other region. So therefore you could compensate. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.